It's always a pleasure on a Monday morning to say good morning to Thomas Mulcair, former leader of the opposition and former leader of the federal NDP. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, John. So uh, Jagmeet Singh yesterday saying during an interview on CTV that even if the judge who's leading an inquiry now into the Declaration of the Emergencies Act says that the Liberals didn't need it in order to put down the convoy protest, the NDP will not be pulling its support uh, away from the Liberals. Does that empower the NDP or impoverish the NDP? Well, I think the NDP has been in a delicate situation since the beginning of that deal with the Liberals. I saw both of them, both the Prime Minister Trudeau and I was at the same table as Jagmeet for the big press gallery dinner in Ottawa on Saturday. And it's quite clear because the teasing from all of the participants in that press gallery dinner had to do with that deal between the Libs and the NDP. Look, it is a big gamble. Let's not kid ourselves because how do you go door to door for the NDP in the next campaign and say, ah, throw the bums out, they're awful, those liberals, and everybody will just say, well, you've been backing them for three years, what do you mean? So that is a delicate operation. At the same time, Singh will be able to say, look, we can work with the liberals, this horrible guy Poiliev is coming in, we've got to block him, and the best way to keep the liberals honest is to have some NDPers. So you can see how this thing's going to line itself up. This is not the type of issue where Jagmeet Singh's going to just light his hair on fire or, or otherwise, or otherwise uh, you know, show his discontent and, and just say, oh, no, i got to walk away from this deal. He's not going to do that. He doesn't need the election right now. He doesn't want the election right now, and he probably couldn't afford an election right now. So he's just going to have to bide his time and you know, stick to his deal with uh, Justin Trudeau. Okay, as a sidebar, you mentioned you were at the uh, press gallery dinner. Yeah. I'd be interested in your assessment of that. I feel that it's sort of, a, you know, reached a point of uh, old-fashionedness that we could live without it, but it sounds like you had a good time. <laughs> it's a great occasion to, to get a chance to see everybody, because there are some really fun people to, to talk to in politics, especially when you're no longer in politics, because there's a lot less pressure on your shoulders. But I think that all three of them, because, of course, there's a certain Pierre Poiliev who chose not to show up. Elizabeth May wasn't there either. So we basically had the three main party leaders. Yves-Francois Blanchet was funny because he was self-deprecating. And then he did that PQ, PQ slash luck thing where he started lecturing on Quebec sovereignty. And they had to hold me back because I had a bun in my hand and I was going to nail him with it. But uh, <laughs> uh, And Trudeau was very good, you know, in, in fine form. You can tell everybody's a bit rusty from this thing. But hey, believe it or not, because of the pandemic, it had been three and a half years since they'd had a press gallery dinner. So, you know, it, it's good to get together once in a while and let your hair down and do something slightly different from what you always do. The I don't know necessarily it's risen to the level of scandal yet, but the incredible amount of money that was spent on the ArriveCan app is still staggering. Ah, yeah. And now we're finding out that apparently, you know, some of the people cited as having been paid didn't even do any work on it. Yes, and that was put down as human error. So <laughs> what does this tell us about how the federal government is being run? Right. You know, speaking of that press gallery, dinner, I'll make the weirdest connection here, but when you meet the Carla Qualtros and the Mark Millers and the Anita and Nance, you know, and you're reminded there really are some sterling people in the federal government, the question is, why are the wheels falling off this thing? Why can't we do something like an Arrive Can app, which, by the way, everybody knew was a dog that couldn't hunt. It should have been thrown out a long time ago. The trans Transport minister just held on, said, no, no, we're keeping this thing. It's just great. Even the Americans started saying, would you please get rid of this thing? John, there's a figure put out by CBC this morning that's just astonishing. Okay, yes, there was a pandemic. Yes, you did, did need more people, etc. But did you know that the federal government hired 35,000 new civil servants during the pandemic, increased the total payroll by 12 percent the number of people by 12 percent like 
really? And we've still got more than 2 million people in the backlog for Immigration Canada. Like, there are serious, serious problems. We talk big picture. We talk, oh, Poitiers is going to do this and Bitcoin that and Trudeau saying, oh, you know, we got to protect rights. But at some point, somebody's actually got to run the government. And right now, even though we've got, I just gave a few examples, some really good people in the government. Overall, this is one of the weakest governments in terms of simple public administration I've seen in my long career. Doesn't make you want to get back into it, though? <laughs> no. Press no. gallery dinner is the closest I'm going to get, John. Okay. Um, Daniel Smith, Premier of Alberta. Yes. Um, just one bizarre statement after another, including yep. she seems to be doubling down on COVID conspiracy theories and ivermectin yep. and all of that stuff. Now sure. she's back to this Sovereignty Act, which is the idea that Alberta can divide the federal government, which is a sweet idea, but try that before the courts. Well, exactly. But then some of the people that have been backing her saying, but she's not going to listen to the courts, which is why we've voted for her. Good luck with that. Telling you know, your big oil and gas sector that they can no longer rely on anything that the courts decide. Her, her speech over the weekend, though, to, to the convention of her party was far more temperate because she was reading from a teleprompter. She was really controlled much more than she had been in the previous two weeks where she was just letting fly as if she was still in front of a microphone and she was a shock jock. So it, it's changed her a little bit. But I can tell you, because I know Rachel Notley quite well, the head of the NDP, this is going to be one of the most interesting political battles we've ever seen. I'm just kidding. The night that they have their big debate, I'm buying a bag of popcorn, sitting down and watching this thing. The sparks will fly. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, and people making comebacks is always going to be kind of an exciting thing. Pierre Trudeau came back from his canoe ride and decided yeah. to lead the government for another four years. Yeah. Uh, and, brought the, and brought in the Charter of Rights. Yeah. yeah. Bourassa, even. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Bourassa so is a great example. Notley would be another one. And then there would be Boris Johnson if he hadn't taken himself out of the running <laughs> yesterday. But your thoughts on that? Because th by the end of the year, the cat is the only consistent thing about number 10 Downing Street. Yes. And Rishi Sunak looks like he's uh, poised to become the, the new prime minister of, of Great Britain. And I think that he's got an incredible personal story to tell. And he looks like a very capable person from everything I've been able to see of his background. But the Conservative Party is in such total disarray. The question is, will he be able to pull it off? Uh, Boris Johnson, in my view, quite wisely decided to give this a pass, although he says that he had the 100 signatures necessary to, to take a run at this. I think that somehow the cooler side of the head of Boris Johnson managed to prevail in this one, and maybe he's going to, you know, hold back for another day. Maybe who knows? Maybe Sunak will put him in his cabinet. But isn't it fascinating to think that it was supposed to be this fundamental realignment of politics for generations when Boris Johnson and his government were elected, and now it's a complete mess? It is a complete mess. But go right back to Cameron. You know, leadership matters. Cameron took a pass. He had all sorts of opportunities, but he said, this Brexit thing is really starting to be a problem. I'll promise a referendum. And you and I both know how well those things work out. And so he got his referendum and all of a sudden, Great Britain is obliged to pull itself out of the European Union, which was shooting itself in the foot economically. They're still paying for that. And then all of a sudden, Liz Truss comes in and she said, wait, wait, I've got the solution. I'll shoot you in the other foot. And so they, <laughs> they've got a situation right now in Great Britain, economically, they've gone from being one of the world's real powerhouses. You know, think when, when Mark Carney was there heading up the Bank of England, just how well they were doing, 
And Carney kept ringing the alarm bells. He was a Canadian. It was a little bit tougher for him. But he kept saying, you do realize that this is going to be an economic disaster if we leave Europe. Yeah, no, they cost us too much. Everything's going to be fine. And it has turned into a complete disaster. It's funny how predictions sometimes come true. Thank you. Yeah, especially from people who know what they're talking about. Exactly. Like Mark Carney. There you go. Take Thank you, care. sir. All the best, Thomas Mulcair, former leader of the opposition in Ottawa. Now he's all ours as our political commentator.